Hello everybody, this is Twitchy Max and you're listening to season two of the family-friendly podcast Expired XP. This season we explore the world of gaming through insider interviews, new and retro game specials, and points of view on industry trends. If you like games, this podcast is for you. Hello everyone, welcome to this bonus episode of Expired XP. I'm here joined as always by my compadre Pete, aka Useless Viking. Say hello, Pete. Hello there, fellow people. Hello. Hey, uh, hey Rich, you're saying bonus episode. That sounds exciting. How is this a bonus episode? Well, we weren't planning to do this episode, but we both bought a new game this weekend and we yes, thought we compelled to talk about it for lots of a reasons. Of re- for example, it's probably one of the most highest rated games uh, yes. that I've ever seen, like, you know, tens, 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 tens. Yeah, the, the critical acclaim that this game has received is pretty off the charts, really. Yeah. And, and you know, we can talk about that. And you you kind of look at that and think, okay, well, what what's the context? So normally when we do a games review, we, we talk about interesting things that are happening in the world. So if people are listening to this in the future, the year is 2022 when this game came out. What notably yeah. happened in 2022? Well, we had Omicron going on. We also had a mad dictator called Vladimir Putin start World War III by invading Ukraine the sovereign state of Ukraine. If there are any Ukrainian or Russian listeners out there who have been roped into Vladimir Putin's stupid war, we're really thinking about you guys. And uh, we hope you uh, manage to stay safe. Yeah, we Um, haven't sadly got to the point where he gets overthrown yet, but I think that's in the offing. So let's just hope that's in the offing. Let's hope that happens soon. So the game that we're talking about today isn't Horizon. Horizon Forbidden West. It's Elden Ring. Elden Ring. And it's a game that both Pete and I, we were kind of on the fence about really when it came out, but we wanted yes. to try it out because it was co-op. And, and because they were, they were kind of saying that, yes, it's Dark Souls. It is a Dark Souls game, mm. but this is the most accessible one. It's the one that's easy to get into. And there was a lot of people saying, if you've been on the fence, this is the one to get in. Yeah. So we so bought we, into the hype. Yeah, we bought into the hype. I went out and I bought the disc. You got the digital download. And we started playing it. So, Pete, why don't you start with your kind of first impressions of the game? Sure. I mean, look, it was interesting because one of our other mates, Chris, who is a podcast listener. Hi, Chris. He, he kind of gave me his view on this, which he said he found that Dark Souls was quite gloomy and dark as a series. And also he just didn't like the whole fact that you just kept seeing, you know, you, you got like 10 seconds in and you die and die. So it seems like a chore. He's like, the game seems like a chore. And that's how I'd felt as well. So when I started up Elden uh, Ring, I was kind of going, Really keen for it to prove me wrong. It's got J.R. Martin, which you can kind of go, that could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of neither there or here nor there for me from a plot point. Immediately didn't really understand what the game story was even trying to tell me. I've got to uh, uh, just point out, I found the plot somewhat weird and convoluted. So the cutscenes and stuff they do didn't make a lot of sense to me. I didn't understand what was going on, but that was fine. It kind of still looked cool. I got dropped in. My initial impressions of the game is, oh my God, it is it is kind of like Dark Souls. I did find it a little bit more forgiving in the beginning. I did find it quite gorgeous. And unlike you who didn't drop down into the hole, which was kind of more of the tutorial space, and, and they, in very kind of a Dark Soulsy way, they don't really point that out to you. You have to read the text from other peoples. And I know you didn't have online capability when you played it first time around, Rich. So it was a bit yeah, different. So, you couldn't, you couldn't so this read is interesting, right? 
you've had and you've played demon souls and you've played these kind of games from from software before Dark souls. yeah from from some from from software before yeah oh, such a silly name for a software house and i so i started up the game and familiarized myself with the controls which are fairly straightforward and then walked out the door walked up the steps saw a hold now when i started the game the logon didn't work, the network logon. So I was playing the game on my local network because the from from software, I'm just going to call them the software house. <laughs> the software house's uh, servers were down. So I didn't have any hints like that. And there was this old corpse of a woman on the chair and it says down here lies wisdom. And it's a big hole. And I was thinking, I- I'm not going to jump down that hole. Actually, we've skipped ahead a bit. Because you actually start in a completely different area. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. You, you start in this really weird area where there's a castle and you kind of go around and then this big creature kills you. Yeah, true. Straight away. You know, there's no hope that this big creature is, is not going to kill you. And then you suddenly wake up in a cave. You've got no idea yeah, what the creature was, what you were trying to do with this creature. And then you wake up in a cave. So it's really disorientating. So then you walk past this big hole. I didn't go down the big hole, which is where the tutorial is. I went straight up the steps, up the column thing and out into the world. I, I know you like the graphics and you're impressed by them. I've been, you know, I compare it to Ghost of Tsushima and so, and so does but, Mrs. Yeah. Twitchy Max, right? And I know there's lots of butts coming from you here. Yeah, well, there are because I'm saying... it's a comparison. I can. But you, can't, but you can, can't compare it with something that isn't built the same way. Like the cons, the construct of a, mo, a MMO, because in, in theory, it's a world that is inhabited by all... Elden Ring is not an MMO. Well, it's it's not an MMO, but but it's a it's a faux MMO in the sense that you can actually see other people, people's ghosts live in the game. They've got the text writing and you can mm. have drop-in co-op. So that, that creates an environment where it isn't as easy to have the graphic fidelity of Ghost of Tsushima. So I would rather kind of put it in the graphical comparison of, I don't know, like a Call of Duty Online or something like a Vanguard. Mm. And even then it still isn't as good. Like I, I agree. I yeah. like the art style, I guess. Yeah. I I agree with you. I like I the old fashioned art style, actually. I'm yes. with you. I like the interface. Mrs. Twitchmatch doesn't like the interface. She thinks it looks like a 90s game, but I quite like that. I do quite like that, the feel of that. Anyway, I come out of this castle. I'm in this open environment. And then there's this big dude on a horse that I do not go anywhere near because I know he's yeah. going to kill me. And then I've got very little idea of what I'm supposed to do, which is a feature of, of Demon Soul type games. At this point, I've got no idea really what I'm doing other than trying to find a ring. And there's no real kind of guide. And I'm, I'm out in this bleak world. So that kind of lack of narrative, I found really tricky. And then when I spoke to you, I went back and did the tutorial and it taught me some of the moves yeah. and, and gave me some, some more uh, bits of armor and stuff, which which was cool. And then I went out into the world. Now the world is incredibly bleak and grim and it's very rich, full of things that are going to kill you. And at the beginning of the game, you can't really kill anything unless you sneak up behind a person and kill them. And there's an awful lot of grinding in this game, a massive amount of grinding for very little feeling of gain. And one of the things that I've noticed in it is you'll completely wipe an area, right? And then you walk away and you come back and they're all still there. And because there's no kind of narrative guiding you where to go, it just feels pointless. 
Yeah. You know, I'm just killing people because they're there. I agree. And I think I was, I'm just thinking about it compared to something like, so I have played Horizon Forbidden West as well, which I would yeah. have way rather talked about, to be honest, uh, because that is a compelling game. It's an amazing game. It's a great, rich world. It's a tapestry compared to, to Elden Rings, as far as I'm concerned. And one thing that I really noted when I jumped back into Elden Ring after having played some more Forbidden West and then you and I played on Elden Ring was how sparsely populated it is with people that are just kind of going around their business. It's all very static. Mm. And I don't, like, you walk up to someone and then there's a, there's like a dialogue tree and it feels very stilted. Yeah. Whereas and Forbidden West, it's like, it feels organic and it feels like people are reacting to you based on who you are and stuff. Whereas I just feel like Elden Rings feels scripted. Yeah, it's very scripted. I, I went into this one area and there was this NPC, this young girl, and she was in a shack and I talked to her and she was saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm all my soldiers. I'm the last one, uh, last one alive. And my soldiers had the bravery to go and have their legs and arms chopped off and become kind of the part of the spider being. And I just haven't got the guts to do that. So I'm lying here trying to build up the, um, the courage to go and become part of this spider being. And she's obviously talking about some monster somewhere. And it's like the only reason that they were, they gave this kind of narrative was to try and make it bleaker and shocking. It didn't really mean anything in the wider context of the game. And I'm sure there'll be someone somewhere who's written some kind of storyline in this massive complex world. You know, someone will correct me and there will be a point to it. But the game just doesn't take you on that journey. And it just felt totally pointless and you know i just wanted to put this poor young wretch out of her misery with my sword right well, that's yeah i mean it's what i struggle with with this game as well is is up until this point it's been very clear when they talk about the dark Souls series is and they talk about dark souls like games because there are games that have similar properties as as, as dark souls that are as hard there's no difficulty level that you can choose it is what it is and you're just meant to die and you're supposed to kind of that's supposed to drive you forwards in some ways, right? But what annoyed me with this one in particular was that there was a lot of narrative going around that this was a more accessible game, yeah. uh, you know, a, a more f maybe fun game and so on. And, you know, when I, because I did I did get a refund from Microsoft. I mean, that, that, mm. I think that's saying a lot, right? Because it wasn't yeah. like I couldn't afford the game, but I was just like, I know I'm never going to play it. I'm never going to complete this game. I just mm. won't. And it's still expensive. So I did ask for a refund. And when they asked me my reason, I, I literally wrote and said, but A, you told me that it had co-op, which it doesn't really. And the second thing is you told me it was more accessible and it wasn't, hmm. you know, and I did get my refund within about 20 minutes from, from Microsoft. But yeah, do you want to tell, tell about, can you, can you talk a little bit about the co-op? Yeah, I mean, the, the main reason that, that I bought it was so that we could do co-op. So I used okay. to play an awful lot of World of Warcraft back in the day, you know, before the Lich King thing. It was like the second second major release is when I started Warcraft and there's a lot of grinding in Warcraft and in, in War World of Warcraft if you go into the wrong place you will die because everyone's much higher level than you but you know that you're going into an area that's much higher spec than you you can probably deal with and you don't go you tend not to go into them and that really is a true MMORPG yeah, I haven't read up exactly. All I heard, all I did was I heard it was co-op, so I bought it because I thought it would be a bit like that. Now, the actual experience of trying to get multiplayer working took longer than our actually actual multiplayer session. Yeah. So it took us ages to work out how to get our fingers fingering in the right way 
who to send that who a message. Wrong, but I know, I know it mean. does. Yeah. It, it does sound wrong. But in the game, you've got like these yeah. fingers that you severed fingers of other people that yeah. you use to write messages. And then Pete could join my game or I could join his game. Took us ages to figure out how to do it, eventually figured it out. And suddenly I appear right next to Pete, right? And then I can't summon my steed. And I'm like, I want to summon my steed because Pete hadn't got to the point in the game where he had a steed. So I wanted to show him what it looks like. And then we kind of ran around and we we went to try and clear an area of soldiers, which is just outside the Limgrove big wall. And we wiped because you wipe every five minutes in this game. That's what happens. Yep. And that completely stopped the multiplayer session and Pete left my session. So we were no longer playing multiplayer together. And the other thing that was annoying is because Pete joined my game, he couldn't pick up any of any runes or anything like that. So he was there to help me level up. He got very little out of the experience apart from a bloody nose and another death. Yeah. And then if we wanted to try again, we'd have had to do clicked all the fingers and stuff and tried to get us to match again maybe get a random in with us and then try and try the whole thing again. And it was just, it wasn't cooperative. It's like you were summoned there to help me with my objective. There was nothing in it for you. And it's not like we could have gone and found the Elden Ring together. And if we tried to go to a dungeon or a different area of the map, it wouldn't let us. No. You know, you'd have to leave the game and then I'd have to move. So I just keep coming back to the, because what annoys me, right, is that it, and it, it shouldn't annoy me because we're a positive podcast. That's not what we're about. We're not about. about yeah, this is a bit of a whinge fest. But. It is a bit of a whinge fest, but I think there's a reason why here. And I'll, I'll say what I think the reason why is because A, I feel like you wasted money and I mm. feel like that was done due to reviewers. And I wonder what responsibility they actually have to not just go with the hype that's been built not just have the reviewers that clearly like this type of game review the game, but mm. actually talk about what it means to those who don't. And you almost need them to have maybe two reviewers so it can be a bit more balanced. Because when I'm looking at it, I'm going, you've got all these people that are giving it 10s who clearly love Dark Souls. And I can understand that this is the most Dark Soulsy Dark Souls game they've ever done. I, it's the best one they've done so far in that series. But it's such a niche category that you kind mm. of needed someone to sit alongside that and going, okay, well, I'm somebody who don't, doesn't like these games. This is meant to be a bit different. It's meant to have better co-op. It meant, it's meant to be more accessible. So I'm going to rate it on that criteria. And I feel like that's the failure here is that yeah. there are too many people giving this a 10 when in fact, for me, it's like a four on, yeah. on, my, on my kind of, I'm a general gamer who hasn't been that into these. I was willing to try it. And, you know, and that, that anger, that is why I think it's okay for it to talk mm. about this because... I think the question is what responsibility do reviewers and people have when it comes to when they do reviews for the people that have, have money? Cause you and I are lucky, right? We can buy these things and it's yeah. not going to break the bank for us, but I feel for the people, especially maybe those who don't buy digital. I was lucky. I bought digital. and I knew that Microsoft would refund me. Right. But that's not always a given. It's not for PlayStation. So what responsibility do they have? Do what, what, what's your view on that? Like, how can you give this a 10? I couldn't give it a 10. I, and it's come out with in comparison to other large open world games. And and one of them is Breath of the Wild, right? Oh, yeah. And no, I can see yeah. why that would annoy you. Yeah, it, it does. Because Breath of the Wild, although it takes a while for you to really get absorbed in the story 
and what's going on. That narrative is there all the way through and you know what you're doing and there are constant reminders. And there are other kind of side quests and stuff that, you know, you can build a whole town. you don't get wiped every two seconds either. No, you don't. You don't get wiped every two seconds. And in the world, there are mobs and there are scary monsters, but there's also towns and town folk and villages and people wandering around who are there to either victims who you save from uh, moblins attacks or, you know, people that will help you. In Elden Ring, I've not seen any of that. You know, I've seen like a couple of people like who are merchants. And there's this, you know, there's this one merchant who's st- sat by the side of a road and he's literally surrounded by monsters and he's just there sitting there. And it's like, there's no way in the world a merchant would just sit there, no. you know, and have a fire. Whereas in Zelda, you kind of, you can see that the world has been created as a world in a war with itself, but people are in their specific places for a reason, not just for the accessibility of a a merchant so that you can spend some runes. So I think the world is incredibly rich, but it's almost, it's almost too rich and there's not enough narrative in it. And well, at least not for us, because right? there are people who love it and who get lost mm. in this and who just will play this to death and who would, who will relate, leave us hate messages on the yeah. podcast because they all love it so much because they're just like, you guys are idiots. You don't get it. You don't yeah. understand. And, and that's fine, right? I don't mind that. But what I mind is being told that something is different than what it was. Like mm. being told that this was more accessible and that it had co-op when if you call that co-op, you have never played co-op. Yeah. Like a proper co-op. It really mm. isn't a co-op game. I think that's absolute crap. And the other side being, it's more accessible. I don't know what level they consider the other games to be when it comes to accessibility. But to me, like, it's it's just, this is not an accessible game. It's no. not. No, it might not. be more accessible than the previous ones, but that does not mm. say a lot, right? Because they're so inaccessible, most of them. Yeah. So it's a disappointment. And it has been, you know, I, I in parallel have been playing Horizon Forbidden West, mm. which doesn't have co-op. I wish it did, because I would love to play that with you. I did like the art style of Elden Rings and, and you know, whether or not it's good graphics or not, I think we can, you know, my view is mm. it, it's closer to an online game. So I get why it's not as good. You're right. It doesn't look like Ghost of Tsushima. I agree with you. Absolutely. Of course it doesn't. It doesn't. But Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, Forbidden West, sorry, is amazingly uh, graphically compelling but it's such a rich world to your point about settlements and people um, they're out there fighting monsters and you can help them. And they're, they're, it's uh, procedurally generated stuff, right? So it will just be random. You'll meet some people who are out there and they've just come across something and you're fighting it. They are where they are for really good reasons. Just like Zelda, you know, when you're talking about Zelda, it feels completely a believable contextualized world where I really feel part of the narrative and the weave, you know, and I really enjoy that. They've also done some similar stuff in the sense that Forbidden West, you can, you can swipe up to see your HUD, but they give you bare minimum HUD stuff, like just a few things. So you can yeah. kind of see your direction and you kind of know where you're meant to be going. It doesn't really tell you more than that. And then you can swipe up on the bar in the, the touch bar in the middle of the PlayStation controller. And that kind of is your way to get into the deeper interface. I actually really love that as well. I think more games would use stuff like that have a really minimal kind of uh, interface. But if I were to compare the two, it's like night and day. I know they're not the same type of game. I get that, you know, before people get angry. But I think it's a shame because you and I were looking forward to playing this together and co-op something different. And it's just been a slog. Yeah, it has. I mean, I will compare it to 
goes to Tsushima in one other respect, actually. And this is something that Mrs. Twitch Max noticed as well. So when you're when you're wiped in Elden Ring, so you're having a battle, a whole bunch of soldiers come around you and they kill you, right? Huge blood spurts, you're on the floor, and then the soldiers just turn around and walk off. And it's yeah. almost like it's procedural, right? And they go back to marching up and down and up and down. Then goes to Tsushima. You see, like the the Mongol, he gets his big his big axe or his big big bludgeon, and he just batters your head in. And then everyone's kind of stood around looking at him doing this. And you kind of then it fades to red, and you can see that they're all excited because they've caught the ghost. And that it's not like they just kind of automatically go back and they're doing what they were doing before. And it and it's so much more immersive that way than if, yeah. you know, it, they're just so, they seem so procedural in their behavior. They don't seem as real. And, but, and it's weird, right? Cause like I said, like Forbidden West does have procedural encounters, but they don't feel procedural. And I, I'm sure there are some that are random, but most of them seem a little bit scripted, but they're just in, they're just in such locations. Like they, they come across as being completely random. And I'm pretty sure that if I played through, if I would have died, they would have been there again the second time. I don't think it is randomized. And there might be some elements that are. And it also has a bit of respawn. So they also have respawn in, in Forbidden West. And some people love that and some don't. I kind of get it because I guess they're trying, you know, it's it can get annoying with respawn because you're trying to get back to a place that you've been before. And then you've got to fight these things again and you've already fought them. And it's a bit of like, ugh. But I guess it's also trying to kind of make sure that there's still a rich world of enough for you to do. Because if you just kill everyone in this sprawling world and there's no one left, you're just going to be running around and, you know, big lands of nothing there. I mean, yeah. I would prefer that they dropped in some random things that were just walking around and then you kind of just fight them ad hoc after you'd killed them in like specific spawn zones that they just yeah. didn't repeat. But but the point that they do that in um, Elden Ring, I mean, I, I think there are probably elements, because I'm trying to figure out how the people who gave it a 10, what they were thinking. And I feel like part of it is just because they they love to believe the hype and they love to be part of the crowd that love this game, this series again. I think there's a little bit of that. You know, you're wearing the level. A bit of snobbery. Stuff. Yeah, a bit of snobbery, a bit of like, I get it and you don't. I think there's an element of that 100%. And I'm trying, because I'm trying to figure out, well, wh where does it have these potential to be a 10? Mm. And music is amazing. Yep. The world building is amazing. I do like the, uh, love the art style. So I agree. But there are so many areas that you and I have just touched upon that are like critical for a game to be considered to be great as far as I'm concerned, that it just fails in. Yeah. And I just don't get how people can be as excited mm. about it as they are. It's yeah. I mean, there's, there was one bit in it where I, and I can't remember the name of the dungeon that I was in, but I, I went into this temple and I went down and it went down and down and down. And I was like, oh, this looks really cool. Cause I was going down forever. It felt yeah. like, and then it dumped me in the bottom of this massive cave that had castles in it and kind of like almost like stars above, which were glowing root, tree roots. And I was like, oh, this is a cool area. And I picked up some loot. And then I, I turned around and tried to get back out. And it wouldn't let me out. Either I couldn't find the switch or flip the switch or it wouldn't let me out. And I was in this dungeon. And so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll just uh, warp to the next nearest, nearest point that I've saved. So I tried to do that and it wouldn't let me. So I'm in this dungeon and I've got to escape this dungeon. Now this dungeon was massive and it was full of mobs and I couldn't kill any of the mobs without them killing me because I was, I was level 20. Yeah. I probably didn't have the right stuff crafted. And 
I was like, okay, I'm going to have to somehow try and get out of this dungeon. And I basically got out of my steed and ran and ran and ran. And I was run- running past giant crabs. I was running past tauren type creatures with the horns that would find me with arrows. And they would just one shot kill. And then there were like these really slow creatures that I could just run around quite easily. And then uh, every now and again, there'd be a checkpoint. And it, I must have died like eight or nine times. And I eventually got out into cages and I got a little bit of loot for it. And it was just like, that felt like a massive pain in the bum. I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to be in that situation. And I know that it's kind of the game's built like that. So that there are surprises around the corner and you never feel safe. But if you don't feel like you're making progress and you never feel safe, it's just stressful. It puts you in a bad mood. Yeah. You know? It's really, which is really interesting because we were, because we haven't done, obviously, done a Fortnite update because this is a bonus episode. It's kind of like yeah. an un- unscripted, kind of just our take on Elden Rings because we think it's topical. But we were just in a, uh, I was just playing uh, Fortnite with Marcus and our other mate has joined us now. And we were talking about, because Marcus was like wondering how he, you know, how does he know me? How does Nick know me and stuff? And, and Nick was kind of telling his story about how he joined the group. And he was saying he was playing Call of Duty prior to this. And he said, uh, but he came to a point where he realized he was just getting angry. He was mm. angry with the game because he found it too hard. It was too annoying. And he didn't get the cooperative uh, kind of play because he wasn't doing what we we're doing when we play Fortnite, which is chatting over comms and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But he was saying in general, even when he was playing it by himself, he just felt that the game, game was getting him angry. And he's like, I don't need a long day at work to then come home and be angry at a video yeah. game. Like, yeah. I want to play something that's going to be fun and like maybe mm. kind of, you know, suspend your disbelief for, you know, just have that kind of like ability to kind of do something that feels otherworldly where you can be a hero and you can do all these things. And so I think very similarly, he felt like Call of Duty became a chore. And that's how I felt about Elden Ring. It just felt like it, it's going to, it's a job. And I don't want a job when I'm playing video games. I have a job. Yeah. You know, it, uh, I, I'm 100% there with you. And I don't want to have a play a game where I have to run past everything that looks interesting because yeah. it will kill me and I'll lose all my money um, and I won't be able to level up. And I, yeah. you kind of just run around all these interesting areas, finding the least interesting thing and then grind, grinding it and farming it and killing it repeatedly. That's just not fun. It's not yeah. just fun. And I know there'll be loads of people out there saying you're playing the game wrong. You're just not good enough, all that stuff. But most people aren't good at video games, you know, and I most think people do it for fun. They're not serious. That's exactly it. And we keep coming back to, I think if it, it's, it's fine to have, if they would have been, if they would have been honest and just said, it is what it says on the 10. If people would have said, look, the co-op is no better. They were saying it was slightly easier to have people join you, which to me, it sounds horrific how it must have been before. Yeah. But that should not be applauded in any way at all because it's a garbage system. And joining people isn't fun. I don't find it fun. I think it's a, it's a garbage co-op system. So they should mm. just be honest about that. And they should be honest about the fact that, no, it's exactly like Dark Souls. There's still no uh, difficulty level. You cannot enjoy this game if you just wanted story mode which both you and I are very big on. We love, yeah. like I, I will quite often even do that sometimes uh, just to play through a story mode because I really just want the experience. I don't need to feel like I'm the best at the, this video game because it is a, a, meant to be this grandeur adventure, right? Mm. And the fact that it doesn't have that just means it's completely inaccessible to most people. So I think that is what I take offense to is 
is giving something a 10 and pretending it's the best game on earth when it's only for a niche part of the market. I'm like, well, I guess flight sim, you know, is a 10 to those people who love pretending to be air traffic controllers or fly a Boeing. Yeah. But, you know, if you're wanting to fly, fly uh, you know, fly fighter jets and have aerial combat, it's a two. So it's yeah. just like, tell me the context, please. And I think that's what I got annoyed with. They yeah. were trying to sell it like it did everything and that mm. anyone could play it. And in reality, it's still just a Dark Souls game. Yeah. So if you were going to give it some horned helmets, yeah. the, the useless Viking score of horn helmets. Yeah, the horn helmets are, 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 my, are my feature. Yeah. I'm going to be brutal because I, I think, put it this way then, as being a Dark Souls game, I would probably score it an eight as a Dark Souls game. How Dark Souls out is. of a hundred or out of ten? Uh, no, out of ten. I might even oh, okay. give it a ten as being a Dark Souls game. Okay. As a game, though, like as a game. So that's as a Dark Souls game. Like, how much is it like Dark Souls, and it, has it expanded on what they did before? That's where this is my conflict because I agree it's it's a different game, better than the other ones. It's bigger, it's faster, it's better, all that kind of stuff. So that's a ten out of ten. Fine. Now. For gamers, you and me, what do I score it? I'd score it a two, two okay. out of 10. So two yeah. horned helmets out of 10. So that is an actual, comparing to all the other games and games that I can jump into and games I love to play, this is a two out of 10 for me. And I think I'm kind of almost being generous. Okay. So for me, there is one thing that niggles me and I don't like it. There is something in the grind that is addictive, right? And this is something that was in World of Warcraft, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, whenever it came out, where you grind and you grind, you get your level, and then it's all about getting to the next level and you grind and you grind and you grind. It's quite addictive. It's not enjoyable, but it's it's compelling. You're compelled to do it. There's a little bit of that in Elden Ring. So much so that I'm thinking, well, I'm actually going to play it again. So you can sit there quite happily and say, I'm never going to play it again. I probably will. But I wonder um, if you would have, if you would have had a copy that you could refund easily. Oh, if you, if you could give me the hundred bucks, I'd take, snap your arm yeah. off, right? Definitely. So I'm going to give it a, a, a two to a, two out of 10 twitches, same as you. But I think in six months time, let's have this conversation again. And if I've binned it, I've binned it. And if I've kind of come round to it, I'll come round to it. I don't think I will. I don't think so either. But, but and, let, and that, that thing you're talking about, though, that is purposefully so. We know this, right? Because there's yeah. game psychologists who literally sit and create addiction in video games. They know yeah. the things. They know the sounds, the feelings, how often they need to reward you, how they need to reward you for different target audiences, right? Yeah. So not clearly they. It's that for, from from software. That's a complete failure to hit us with that. Yeah. But it hits a lot of people in all the right places and yeah. that is and it becomes their addiction right so and it's terrifying to think about that that's the way it's done but it really is yeah i think it's good i think it's fair i mean we've had this before like i, I was harder than you on kina yeah uh, i think if i hand on heart now would you give it as high of a rating as you gave it before have you picked it up since uh, i've played it a little bit i've got stuck because i can't find the route to go i've looked uh, everywhere and I can't be bothered to look it up on Wikipedia or watch a YouTube about it. So I, I think I'd yeah. stick with my same score, to be honest, on Kana. Yeah. But let, let's revisit Elden Ring again. So, so this yeah. episode has been quite cathartic for me. I'm not sure how great it is to listen to, but you know, read the reviews for Elden Ring if you're thinking about buying it. 
listen to this podcast and think, is it really for you? Next week, we've got a much, much more upbeat episode. We're talking to DJ who's worked on Halo. He's He runs his own special effects company, won multiple awards. He worked on Call of Duty. Worked on Call of Duty. He worked on the infamous airport scene on Call of Duty. Uh, Pete and I had a great hour and a half talking to him. It was fantastic. And we're going to publish that next. But yeah, thanks for your time, everyone. And uh, be careful with your money out there. Don't believe the hype.